man. And let us uh, confess this evening. I'll ask question 29. We'll answer together. Why is the Son of God called Jesus, meaning Savior? Answer, because he saves us from our sins. And because salvation is not to be sought or found in anyone else. There is no sweeter name than the name of Jesus. Jesus' name means Savior. And that is the name given to us by the angel who pronounced his coming birth. When he says, his name shall be Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. His name is Jesus, and his title is Savior. That's his office. He, is, he holds the office of Savior, and he is the Savior of the world. And I love this Lord's Day because this Lord's Day is, it leads us to talk nothing more than Jesus and his salvation. And there's nothing better to talk about in the church than the Lord Jesus and his salvation. So we are going to talk about Jesus. So let's get to it. His office, Savior, implies a task. Savior, to save. That is what Jesus' name means. It means to save. Simple enough. And he saves us from our sins. And this is vital because the Bible says the soul that sins shall die. The soul that sins shall die. And this death is eternal death, eternal torment, hell. Hell is real. Hell is real. John 3.36, Jesus says, Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. That wrath of God remains now, the moment he doesn't believe. You know, when we say in our liturgy in the morning service that the wrath of God abides upon those who do not believe this gospel, that comes actually from the canons of Dort. But the wrath already abides upon those who do not believe the gospel. And that wrath will continue until we are saved, or unless we are saved. Whoever, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And wrath is a result of sin, which is eternal death. So annihilation is false. Hell is eternal torment. That's just plain biblical. It's historical. It's the Catholic truth. It's God's word. And it's because God is holy. God is holy. And hell is the result of sin and judgment. And hell is God's hatred of evil. So salvation is first and foremost salvation from a holy God. And the holy nature of God steers salvation in a particular direction. And that direction steered, is steered by the holiness of God straight to Jesus Christ. Now, if we were to reduce God's holiness... If we were to lower his standard, if we were to lower God's holiness, salvation would steer off in a different direction, and it would steer off in the wrong direction back to man. Arminianism is first and foremost a denial of God's true nature. You see, if salvation was moral improvement, then with a little help, with a little help, we could, we could, we could do this. We could save ourselves with a little help. Or if salvation was merely our best life now, we could have our best life now if only we don't have tragedy or some physical impairment or trouble. And then when you have that physical impairment and trouble and those who do, well, that's the most loneliest place of all because the result of that is, or the fault of that is your own. And you didn't have enough faith, brother. And you're left in the most 
the most uh, worst place of all, thinking it's your fault. Well, in reality, it is. <laughs> it's sin. It's sin in this world. And God is holy. And we can't look past God's holiness, and God will not look past our imperfection. He is holy, and so we need a Savior, and he has given us his Son. And Jesus makes all the difference. John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That's the difference. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And in the Son, sinners are saved, and God remains holy because Christ is the sin remover. He who knew no sin, Philippians 3.9, he who knew no sin became sin. Jesus became sin. And on the cross, died as a sinner in the place of sinners that we might not face the wrath of God. Christ faced hell in our place. And hell makes the work of the Savior glorious. And God and Christ, his work becomes bigger than life itself. Because we need this Savior. And he faced the misery due us. I want to ask a question R.C. Sproul used to ask often. I heard him preach a few times, and I heard him say this and ask this question, Thought, and it's a really good question. And the question is this. If Jesus were to appear, now if we just back up and redo redemptive history, let's just say that Jesus wasn't born of the Virgin Mary, didn't you know, live a perfect life, but merely appeared at the age 32 and died on the cross for our sins without a sinless life, would that be enough for salvation? Died on the cross for our sins at the age 32, and of course the answer is no. You see, the death of the cross, the death on the cross, only makes us neutral with God. The death of the cross makes us neutral. It takes away spot and blemish. But Christ did more in the gospel than the cross. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be the righteousness of God. He lived a perfect, sinless life. Jesus earned for us and restored to us righteousness and life. So the gospel is more than the cross. It's all of Jesus's person and all of his work. It's his office as savior. And he is our righteousness, our sin bearer, and he is our savior. And he's the only savior. Now, contrary to popular opinion, and I'm about to say something that's going to get us canceled, but the more I think about cancel culture and our theology, I, I think everything in our theology is going to get us canceled. So I think we might as well just own it. <laughs> We're going to get canceled. It's just this world and who we are. And Jesus said, right, they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. And it was no if, they did hate Jesus, they killed him. So it's really not a, you know, if, it's more like when. So here it is. We're about to be canceled. We are on Facebook, by the way. I don't know if their algorithm is tra tracking. I just said the name, and so maybe. But here it is, Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else. Right? Amen? Salvation in no one else. He's the only Savior because he is the only perfect, righteous man. And he's God in flesh. This means all other religions, and dare I say it, all other religions are worthless. 
because Christ alone is God. Therefore, he alone could satisfy obedience, remission of sin, reconciliation, salvation, and eternal life. Romans 5.19, for as by the one man's disobedient, the many were made sinners. Who's that one man? Adam, right? By Adam's disobedience, the many were made sinners, and that's everyone. That's just everyone. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So Adam brought sin and misery, and only Adam brought sin and misery. That's the original sin, right? Sin and misery is a result of the one man, Adam. And only the one man, Jesus Christ, brings righteousness and life to those who believe. Now notice in the text, maybe you should go there, Romans 5.19. Let's just turn to Romans 5.19 and sit there for a moment. Romans 5.19, for as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Notice he did not earn righteousness and eternal life for himself. He's not earning this for himself. He's earned it for the many. Just as Adam didn't earn death for himself, but for many. And so this one man has not obtained righteousness just for himself, but for many. And notice that he completed the righteousness. The work is done. He's not leaving open an opportunity that we must add to it. But he made us righteousness by his one obedience. That is all of his obedience to the point of death, even death on the cross. That is, according to Romans 5.19, Jesus is a perfect savior. And that's why we're all Calvinists, right? The reformed, you know, Calvinists. We're Calvinists because Christ is perfect. We'd all be Arminians if Christ wasn't perfect and we'd all be in trouble because God is holy and we're sinners. But thankfully, Christ is perfect and saved many. That is, he saved his people, the elect. And he saves us fully and perfectly. In this life, we are perfectly saved. In Christ, right now, where you sit, if you believe, you are perfectly saved. You're saved now, and your future is secure. Your future is saved. Your entire life is perfectly saved. And you're saved for the life to come. Because there's no weakness in Christ's work. There's no weakness in his gospel. There's no weakness in his word. There's no weakness in God. And we are secure. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As a perfect Savior, he's a complete Savior. In Christ, we're not only justified forever right before God, which is his declaration the moment you first believe, righteous. We're also sanctified. We're also growing more and more in Christ's image, being conformed into the image of Christ, that we might put away our sins and live more and more for God's glory. And not only are we justified, not only sanctified, but one day we'll be glorified by the work of Christ. His office of Savior is leading us to righteousness and life eternal. Righteousness and life, glory forever. Christ has secured for us our complete salvation. Nothing is lacking in the gospel. There is nothing we need to do to make up for some lack. He is perfect. He's the perfect Savior who now reveals to us the will of the Father. He instituted the church, 
Christ now preserves the ministry through his Holy Spirit, which he sent, that he may convert the many his sinners, that he may collect a church, that he may bestow all good things necessary for life and death upon us, his people. He's a perfect Savior, and he now defends us. He defends us, and he will cast all his enemies into hell, and he will raise his church in glory. He's a perfect Savior. So we have complete confidence in his office, and we should have complete confidence in his office of Savior, and we should not doubt our salvation. John 14, 1 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And when you believe in God and you believe particularly in Christ, our Savior, you should have ultimate confidence, and your heart should find rest. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in thee. Because he's a perfect Savior. So be confident in Christ's works. Trust his cross and his word. Jesus says, John 10, 28, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. What a perfect savior. And he assures us of our salvation in his word. And in his word, we hear his love for us. And not only his word, but his sacraments. In the sacraments, we feel his love as we feel his arms and the arms of the Savior around us. John 6, 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. So when you doubt God's love for you, turn to the Lord's Supper. Turn to his word. Trust his grace. It's sufficient. Question 30. I'll ask the question. We'll respond together. Question 30. Do those who look for their salvation and security in saints in themselves or elsewhere really believe in the only Savior, Jesus? Answer, no. Although they boast of being his, by their actions they deny the only Savior, Jesus. Either Jesus is not a perfect Savior, or those who in true faith accept the Savior have in him all they need for their salvation. Idolatry leads us away from talking about Jesus and his salvation. And because it doesn't get better than Jesus and his salvation, we hate idolatry and we forsake all other saviors. Can Christ's glory be denied or shared with another? No. Can Christ's glory be divided or shared with the merits of the saints? Can Christ's glory or glory be shared with the indulgences of the Pope? Can Christ's glory be divided or shared with our own offerings, our own works, our own fastings, our own prayers, our own tithings, etc., etc.? You see, in the very moment we look beyond Jesus, the very moment we look beyond Jesus, we deny him. And that's Paul's argument. When Paul argues in Galatians, if we look to circumcision, if we look beyond faith in Christ in Jesus, and we look beyond a circumcision, Paul says, you lose it all. The moment you look to circumcision for your salvation, Paul argues, you lose it all. 
you lose the entire gospel of Jesus Christ. If you look to circumcision or any merit, whether it be for an extra blessing, I need an extra blessing. If you look beyond Christ for extra blessings, you lose it all. St. Augustine put it this way, Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. Christ is not valued at all unless he is valued above all. So whosoever is a perfect and only Savior need not share his glory. Christ need not share his glory. He is the complete, he is a complete, and he is the only Savior. Therefore, he doesn't confer salvation in connection with others, not in part, not in whole. He alone confers it entire and in the most perfect manner in Christ, in his own work. Therefore, any who seek their salvation in whole or part somewhere else in reality deny Christ to be the only and perfect Savior. And there are many who would subtly lead you away from Christ, causing you to look beyond Christ, to confuse the law and the gospel, to add to Christ's work your merit. And you should say, no, Christ is perfect because his perfection is at stake and so is your salvation. So look to Christ and him alone. You see, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. But the road to heaven is paved with Christ's merit alone. It's a narrow way, but it's the only way. And so we will go no other way than the way of Christ. So let's go that way, and let's look to Christ and him alone. Amen. At Covenant Reformed Church in Missoula, Montana, we sincerely believe God's Word and faithfully teach it. We invite you to worship with us on Sundays. For more information, please visit MissoulaURC.com. That's MissoulaURC.com.